Hi, Sue from Michigan. Good morning. Good morning, and welcome to Obreeders Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January 1st, 2018. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 1, and we're at page 10, the fourth paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Anita L., for the 12 traditions, Amanda S., and reading the text are Craig F., Allison L., and Lisa B. The reference number for Sunday, December 31st, 2017, is 10,858. That's 10858. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia, the 12 steps of the Readers Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our role. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Have a good day. I pass. Thank you, Anita. I will now ask Amanda S. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. May I be heard? Yes. 
Okay. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. This is Amanda S. from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except on matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, my pass. Thank you, Amanda. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the, on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 10, paragraph four. I will ask Craig F. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Craig F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And a happy new year to you, Katie, and to everybody else online. Okay. With ministers and the world's religions, I parted right there. When they talked of a God personal to me, who was love, superhuman strength, and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. To Christ I conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely not too closely followed by those who claimed him. 
his moral teaching most excellent. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I had disregarded. The wars which had been fought, the burnings and chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. I honestly doubted whether on balance the religions of mankind had done any good. Judging from what I had seen in Europe and since, the power of God in human affairs was negligible. The brotherhood of man, a grim jest. If there was a devil, he seemed the Bosch universal, and he certainly had me. Well, we're certainly at the bottom here um, uh, with Bill. We're uh, uh, at, a, at a turning point. And, uh, you know, what he's written here um, is uh, it's good. He's getting it out of his system, this idea. Uh, the last line, if there was a devil, he seemed to Bosch Universal, and he certainly had me kind of kind of grabs me you know i uh, i certainly identify with that with feeling like uh, the the devil had me that i i couldn't get out of out of where i was um you know one of the things that occurs to me when i read this is that this idea the thing that helped me was this notion that um that if god was good and god created everything why wasn't everything good that he created, and the and the answer was that if God was good, he had to give man free will. That a that a that a good God would not create a mankind that was a robot. That he would give us a chance to choose between good and bad, and that men often chose bad. That we we that I choose poorly. I chose bad over good many times in my life. And uh, that when we do that, the accumulation of that isn't necessarily uh, good, but it, it the goodness is in that we have a, a choice. We're not forced. We don't live in a, in a kind of a, a, a environment where we're forced to do what we don't want to do. We get to choose. I, I also look at this and say that it's almost classic 10th step material, isn't it? I mean, uh, here we have... Uh, 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 Bill had a script for God and for uh, and for the whole world. You know uh, that, that God would be a certain way, that that other people would all be a certain way, and people certainly didn't follow his script, which is classic selfishness. And his dishonesty is to uh, uh, as aghast as he is at at uh, all this evil that's done in the name of religion. He's certainly done. Uh, he said, "If there's a, de- a devil, he had certainly had me." In other words, he's our, he, he's admitting backhandedly that uh, he's also been a part of that problem, and you know, and he has a resentment against God. He has a resentment against uh, the things that were done in the name of religion, and uh, and he has a fear that the devil has him and he can't get let go. You know, that's classic tenth step, right there, and. Uh, uh, I'm glad that today that I have a, a way to uh, to express those things, to get them out of me, to uh, ask God to remove my character defects, and uh, to uh, accept uh, life on life's terms, uh, so that I can live in some semblance of emotional sobriety. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
Thank you, Craig. Okay, if you're just joining us, we're at the bottom of page 10 with Ministers of the World's Religion. We read through three paragraphs ending with the Boss Universal, and you certainly had me on page 11. Who would like to share on those three paragraphs? Maya S. Lisa B. Suji. Okay. Okay. Wait one second. I got Leia S. Lisa B. Kim G. Harlan G. Stacy T. Stacy and Lisa. Suji. Suji. Oh, I already said Lisa B. Suji. Um, Stacy. Okay, that's a good lineup to start with. Let's go with those. Leia S., Lisa B., Kim G., Harlan G., Stacey S., I believe, and Sue G. Go ahead, please, Leia S. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Um, this is Leia S., a recovered, a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader from Brooklyn. And um, Bill is uh, sitting with Ebby. And Ebby is um, is doing 12-step on him. And uh, Bill is just in awe of what he is telling him. He's telling him about a God. He's very cynical about the whole thing. And he's saying, you know, um, when you start talking about God, you know, I become irritated, my mind snaps shut. And, and and he starts, uh, you know, um, jesting of the whole thing and, and, and everything. So he's very cynical. And I, I, I too, I identified so much with this because I was also a cynical person. And how, how does a person get cynical? Because, you know, in your life, whatever you have gone through, people have disappointed you. And, and people didn't live up to your expectations. And... And all of a sudden, I had to um, I, I had to find a solution. I had to, in the doctor's opinion, I, I have totally identified that I am so powerless that I need that solution. And and I think that Bill is really finally realizing that, you know what, he also needs a solution. But what kind of a solution is that? God, and and that's when my sponsor told me. You create your own personal higher power. Nobody's telling you anything. Just go with that and, and, and let's work on that. And so, so that's what happened. And I, I started in investing in love, kindness, tolerance, and acceptance. And by, by, by starting to think my thoughts in a positive direction, everything was negative. I, I always saw the negative part. I was always um, down, down, down. And now, all of a sudden, my hope has started coming up. And so I had to look at the positive. I had to start doing some gratitudes because there were some gratitudes. I was alive, and I was pretty well in in health. And so, you know, with little things, real little things, you know what? Um, today I had my three meals. Uh, you know what? Today I it wasn't so hard. The abstinence. You know what? Today I I spoke to someone who said something that made sense. And thank you, God, for this program. And I do this every little bit, every single day. Without you, I don't know what I would do. Thank you. I pass. 
Thank you, <clears throat> Leah. Okay, Lisa B., you're up. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and thank you so much for your service and for everyone that's here on this first day of the new year. Um, this really jumps out, a lot of it jumps out for me. That word superhuman, you know, I, I didn't even realize that that word would actually be in the dictionary. It, it sounds like something from a comic book or something, but it is actually defined. And it means having or showing exceptional abilities or powers. And some synonyms for that would be stupendous, exceptional, remarkable. And I needed to be able to lay hold of that superhuman strength because my power was not working for me and I could identify when he says he gets irritated and what I hear him in this reading getting irritated about is the discussion of the spirit you know the spiritual aspects and um, you know this big book tells me on page 84 that we've entered the world of the spirit and in the next day or so we're going to be reading about how Ebby is on a different footing and you know that's what had to happen to me I needed to be in the world of the spirit because what he's describing here is his resentment of all the stuff in the world. You know, I, I live in the world. That's, that's what I am. I'm a, you know, I live and operate in the world. But in order to get recovered from this fatal illness that is so subtle and hidden and interwoven in all of my outlooks and attitudes and perspectives, and I don't even realize how much this disease of compulsive overeating controls me, um, I need to be able to enter into the world of the spirit. I need to be able to access that superhuman strength. And it's only through working these steps. And that paragraph on page 11, you know, it says to Christ, I conceded the certainty. Well, if I apply that paragraph to the program of Overeaters Anonymous and just decide to not closely follow those things that I don't want to follow, you know, and maybe just take what I want and leave the rest, what's convenient. Um, I'm not going to succeed in this program. It's not an easy program. It's simple, but it's not easy. And it can be really hard. And it's like another fellow on this program, on this uh, radio program, I almost said, you know, says that we need to have um, grit. It takes grit to do these steps, you know, starting out getting entirely abstinent. But I bristled, too, when the discussion of the spirit would be um, discussed. My mind would snap shut, but I have to realize that that's my hope. That is my hope. I need to be re um, on a different footing and be able to stand and live and move in that world of the spirit, you know, the fourth dimension to working the steps. And with that, I passed. Sorry about that. Okay. Thank you so much, Lisa. Kim G, you're up. Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning, Katie, and uh, Happy New Year, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, I'm going to zone in on some of the stuff that Lisa talked about. You know, I love that paragraph, to Christ I can see that a great man, a certainty of a great man. But I like to read it this way as someone who's been an Overeaters Anonymous for decades. To OA, I conceded the certainty of a great program but not too closely followed by those who attended it. The moral teachings of the 12 steps, most excellent, but for myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult, and the rest I, dis I disregarded. You know, 17 years into OA, I was in a five-year relapse. I was desperate. I was doomed. And I tell you, I, I thought to myself, I've done these steps a thousand times. They don't work. And I remember someone confronting me and saying, how arrogant are you? This book, this big book has written, written 80 years ago, 
It has not needed to change. It's worked for alcoholics, drug addicts, compulsive overeaters, gamblers. And you think you're so goddamn special it's not going to work for you? I was taken aback. So I had to look at my own history. You know, that saying that Lisa said, take what you want and leave the rest, that killed me in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. Because what I did is I disrespected a 12-step program and I treated OA as a diet program with group support. You know, I believe that food and weight was my problem, so therefore abstinence was my solution, and I worship that when the big book tells me my real problem is being abstinent. You know, it says on page 59, here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. But what did I think recovery was? I thought recovery was the nine tools. I thought recoveries were the slogans that I heard in the room. I thought the program was other people's opinions that I heard in the room. And most dangerous, I thought the program was Tim's interpretations of what the 12 steps meant to me. So I was in the middle of this five-year relapse, and I heard on page 25 that the great fact is just this, that we've had a deep and effective spiritual experience. And I had to concede, yes, I had a deep, some deep experiences in a way. But if I was in a yet another relapse, I am not having an effective experience. And I needed to look at this book in a different way I needed to take direction from someone in whom the problem had been solved. First and foremost, I had to put the food down. And, the, and this book is very simple. It's basically a series of prayers, actions, promises, and warnings. And the first promise is on the cover page where it says, this is the story of many thousands of men and women who have recovered from compulsive overeating. You can recover in Overeaters Anonymous. My old idea was step one was don't eat no matter what, no matter what, don't eat. I found out in the big book, step one is you're going to eat, you're going to eat, you're going to eat unless you have a spiritual experience. And I'm going to end with this. I want to emphatically declare to you today that I am to my core fully conceited a compulsive overeater. And I also want to emphatically declare to you from the bottom of my heart that for seven years I have not suffered from compulsive overeating due to a spiritual experience as a result of doing the steps in the big book. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Okay, Harlan G., you're up, followed by Stacy S. Thank you, Katie. I mean, T. I couldn't. I think it's whatever. <laughs> Thank you, Katie, for uh, your service today. Thank you to Team Monday and Team 2018 for your wonderful service today. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona, where it will be in the mid-70s by this afternoon. I looked at the world, and I saw wars, and I saw people with numbers on their arms who had come out of the concentration camps, and I saw races of people that were discriminated against and unfairness, and I said, what? This God thing is for the birds. And a very, very wise man sat with me on a very, very cold day in Chicago. And he picked up his copy of the big book and he said something to me that if I remember it today, I'll have a better life. And if I forget it, I'll have a worse life. He said, there's nothing in this book that says, now you get what you want. And now the world will make perfect sense. He said, there's nothing in this book that says God is going to square everything with you before he does it. 
as Craig said, as Kim said, we are not a planet of robots. We are a planet of free-thinking, free-willed human beings who have just as great a capacity to do right as we can do wrong. And right and wrong are judgments, so I don't know. But here's what I do know. This program works. Tomorrow we're going to see Bill and the flashpoint for step two, and Bill is going to accept the fact that no matter what is going on in the world or isn't going on in the world or what seems fair or what seems unfair, I have an illness of the mind and an illness of the body that requires a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps if I am to live free of the food for today. That's the bottom line. I understand there's horrible things happening in the world. And if my God was small enough for me to understand, he wouldn't be big enough to solve my problem. I don't understand why some of the things in the newspaper happen. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that for 19 years, I have not found it necessary to compulsively overeat. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it for 19 minutes. Page 88 of the big book, one of the most important sentences ever written by a man, it says it works. It really does. And that's all I really need to know. I don't have explanations for these things. And if I'm going to wait till I have a total and complete understanding of everything in this world and all the people in it, I might as well go get some Snickers bars and Oreo cookies today because I'm going to die in the food. All I have to know is this. There is a God, and it's not me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Stacy T, your turn, followed by Sue G. Good morning. This is Stacy T calling from Cleveland. <clears throat> Thanks for your service, Katie. When I <clears throat> read this paragraph, the paragraphs that we read, um, the multiple times that I did, I f- my the transformation that's been happening <clears throat> has been slow. I found in the beginning when I was reading this that. Um, I had a self-righteousness and a cockiness that finally in this text they were the, they were writing what I felt <clears throat> and or they were saying out loud what I questioned Bill was. And <clears throat> what I came to um, know, not believe, know, as others have shared, is I don't debate this anymore. I don't understand either. But I know that uh, if I start thinking and processing and trying to figure things out, um, my mind is taken away from um, continuing to develop that relationship with my higher power. And I love what we'll be um, learning on the next page and subsequent pages. But I could relate um, to this. And... What I realized is that the time that I was going to spend either trying to figure this out of why or get into the solution of how and the actions to take 
was going to mean the difference between my willingness to uh, come to a power greater than myself. And as it was said, it is not me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Stacy. Sue G, you're up. Good morning. Okay. Yeah, I my phone's a little slow on that. Um, this is Suji from Michigan, recovered by the grace of God. Um, I keep on thinking of what we read. Um, it's a preamble, or you know, a loving, and gracious God as we express Him as He is expressed in our group. And you know, I think you know, Greg really hit it, not hit the nail on the head. You know about you know we if we were we don't understand why things happen and here he is saying you know if there's a, if there's a, a devil then he's got control he's really um, he had me that's the, you know things happen because in, and I've heard more people um, come out of discuss that you know they've come out of a certain church because of God being a vengeful God. Um, you know, and if we were, you know, if everything went right, it'd be because we were puppets, and God made us so that we could make choices. And I also think of, you know, uh, to Christ, I conceded a certain a certainty of a great uh, man, not too closely followed by those who claim him. Now we're such bad examples of of our most of us. Uh, are very bad examples of what we believe in. Um, we're one way when we're at our temple or church or whatever religion uh, we might be, if we are. And we we don't take that home. And so people see a different side of us. And so we, we don't we don't show people the loving God that he is. And also that uh, for myself, I had adopted these parts, which seemed convenient and not that difficult. The rest I discarded. You know, <laughs> it reminds me of program. You know, a lot of this is take what you want and leave the rest. Uh, I've heard that expression more times, uh, not in vision, but not the vision meeting, but so many times before that, and it reminds me of that. You know, he took what what was easy uh, or convenient, and he kind of parted with with the rest of it. And we do that with program. Um, for a long time, when I was first in a way, I did that. Um, I mean, I, I didn't do it purposely, but my sponsor never told me about ten and eleven. I mean, we read it, but uh, it was never anything to do to follow up. No action involved, and. Uh, in a way that was leaving the rest. And that's how she did hers, and that's how I did mine. And it wasn't until I was in vision that I realized that there was a full program. And you don't just take what's convenient and leave the rest. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Sue G. And so if you're just joining us, we're at the bottom of page 10, with ministers in the world's religions, and we read through three paragraphs, ending with the boss universal, and he certainly had me on page 11, 
And who else would like to share? Vasa O. This is Larry. Vasa. Larry. Barbara E. Barbara E. Anyone else want to share this morning? Tina F. We can take a couple more. Monica T. Monica T. Melanie okay. C. Let's and Melanie C. Okay, well that's great. So we'll start with Vasa O, followed by Larry K. Okay, thank you, Katie, for your service and good morning, everyone, and happy new year. And uh, this is I love this few paragraphs here. I can identify so much. But what I I'm so grateful when I came to the programs and uh, my sponsor said to me, this is not a, a, re- a religious program, it's a spiritual program. And um, I remember I did blame God a lot for my life, especially in my childhood. And my father was a priest, uh, he was an alcoholic, and I was very, very proud of him in the year, for early years of our lives, you know, and the, his disease became um, progressive over the years, and it was not fun to be uh, living in that kind of environment and and seeing him preach. And I thought, I remember judging my dad, saying, you know, how could, you know, he's a priest, he's reading the Bible, and why is he doing all these things, you know, that are not godly, you know? And uh, in those years, you know, we didn't know about alcoholism, especially in the whole country, you know, and how it affected the body and the mind. And I needed to come to this program to be educated. I didn't know much about my own disease, the food addiction, you know. And um, and I remember praying to God, you know, when I was a young child, you know. God, you know, why are this happening in our home? Please come down and help us. And, you know, it seemed like, you know, God was there, but I didn't really recognize God. When I look back, you know, God did carry me through those things. You know, I was a survivor, you know. And, um, again, when my, step, my, when, my, when my big book step study sponsor, 12 step me, you know, a little bit about the 12 steps, told me a little bit about God, you know, although I didn't want to hear it, I was afraid. And, but I was ready and willing to hear it, to hear it and to have an open mind to help me with the food addiction, with the food, you know. So at least I, I had an open mind over there. And uh, gradually, little by little, you know, my mind started opening up about other things in my life. And uh, I'm just so, so grateful that, you know, that was the beginning. That was the beginning, you know. And uh, I could put the food down one day at a time, one meal at a time. And that was a miracle for me because I, by the time I found OA, I couldn't even put five minutes at a time. I was grazing all the time. So uh, it works. You know, it worked for those 100 people, you know. And I wanted to know. I was open. I was open-minded, you know, to, to do whatever it took, you know, because I say this many, many times, I didn't want to die. And I had... A lot of people in my Time. family died from this disease. My mom did, you know, it killed her. And uh, is, 
you know, so I saw what she went through, and I didn't want to go through all that. And I found the program. What a gift, you know. So I stuck with it. I'll wrap it up. I've stuck with it all this time, and this is the only thing that has worked for me. And I'm so grateful. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Barbara E. Thanks, Katie. <clears throat> Thanks for your service. Um, my name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. The, uh, you know, Bill is seeing some, he's, he's speaking to, he's seeing some hypocrisy here. And hypocrisy, you know, if we, if we look at the definition of it, 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 the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior doesn't conform. You know, if, you know, I often think if you hear, if you hear people on the line, and, and what if you met someone you really respected and you found out, uh, you, you, you saw them, you, you just really respected what, what they said and it, what they said resonated with you. I have lots of people on this line that, I, that that's that way for me. What if I met them and uh, maybe I'm at a convention and I see them, you know, I didn't mean to, but I see them in a hallway or something. And they're, they got a bat, you know, a box of donuts, and they're stuffing the donuts down their face. Now they're in a normal sized body. Or conversely, what if I see that person that I respect, and he's, boy, he's just tearing someone up, you know, someone, you know, like I, I'm listening to him on the phone talk to his wife back home, and boy, is he just, you know, ripping into her, or vice versa, you know, and uh, a woman, you know, ripping into her husband. You know, I might, I might see a little bit of hypocrisy there. Now, we're imperfect human beings, for sure. I'm never going to rise above the level of human being. But there's something about hypocrisy that's damaging. And Bill saw some hypocrisy, at least he perceived hypocrisy, than what he saw in the world's religions. And he threw out everything. It, it really, it really messed, messed with him, as it would you. If you, you know, if you met me, let's say, for example, and I was, you know, 500 pounds or I was 80 pounds, it might change your, your feeling about me. Now, you're not expecting me to be perfect because you know I'm not perfect. Intuitively, you know that. I'm no more perfect than you are. But, you know, you'd li- we like to see some consistency because we're believing in a hope that something can change. But the thing is, this program talks about not placing our, first and foremost, we're going to place our our trust and reliance on infinite God rather than finite human beings, right? And we know this is a spiritual program. But at the same time, we do want to, we want to believe and, and see that there's some consistency, that someone's walk and their talk are somewhat aligned, right? We don't expect perfect alignment, but we want to see some alignment, right? But we're not going to throw out everything when you, not if you meet the person that disappoints you, when you meet me, and if I disappoint you, please don't, don't believe that this program doesn't work. It does with imperfect human beings like me. It works when you, when you work it, when you follow the instructions precisely. That's what Bill had to do. He had to bridge the gap, right? He had to bridge the gap from imperfect human beings in a church or a temple. There's my time. And he had to bridge that gap. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Okay, Barbara E., it's your turn. Thank you so much. Followed by Tina S. Thank you. This is is Barbara E. I believe I'm next. Yes, go ahead, please. Okay, thank you so much. Happy New Year to everyone. I wish you 
happiness, joy, and abstinence and serenity. Um, I had to look up at my, uh, at my upbringing. I had no knowledge of God. I was not an, an atheist, but I guess I fell into the agnostic category. If I was going to have God set aside my prejudices against organized religion, and I too looked at the world and saw the people with numbers and the genocide across the world in each generation, I was unable to say, how could there be a God? How could there be a God that would allow this? And I once heard a rabbi say, God is not there to deal justly with the world. Man does have free will. God is there to help us get through those hard times, to match calamity with serenity, to find the good in life. If I was going to have God set aside my prejudices, I had to roll up my sleeves and do some work. I couldn't just pick and choose. I was in a death spiral with food. So I had to be willing to accept the tools to deal with my outside and to accept the steps, and that means all the steps, to deal with my inside. There is a power greater than myself. It's not my refrigerator. It's not the fast food restaurant. It's not my sponsor. So at one time, I did idolize sponsors, and I learned that sponsors are just people like you and me with feet of clay. So I had to ask my conception of a higher power for help. And every single day, I had to pray. A miracle is defined as a supernatural event that cannot be explained. I agree that's what I hear every single day when I listen to you and go on this meeting. So I accept there is a higher power for me today. It's out there, the spirit of the universe, loving, kindness, tolerance. I don't have to understand it because I'm just human, but I don't want to go back to the bedevilment that I was feeling. I loved the three R's. Bill had to reflect on his past experience with religion. He had to reevaluate his choices about a higher power, and he had to reconcile, reconcile his own beliefs and accept new possibilities. That's what I had to do also, an entity that I could relate to so that I could come to believe. And I don't think it came to me in step three. I think maybe I began to feel the true power. Time. Oh, I'm sorry. After I completed my last step nine, whenever it comes to you, I wish you peace. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Tina S., you're up, followed by Monica T. Thanks so much, Katie, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Happy New Year to all. And, wow, what a great meeting. You know, I'm all in. I can relate to everyone that shared. And, you know, uh, I'm real grateful today uh, in 2018 that I know that my disease centers in my mind. And for sure, and I heard it on the line today, and I was told this too, that there is a God and I am not it. 
And what a revelation for me. You know, what a revelation. Because, you know, bottom line is, it was uh, my story of my life that I thought was uh, killing me and everybody. What you were doing, what he was doing, and, and the uh, raw hand I was dealt, for sure. You know, and, and so early on, you know, I was raised in religion, and I had uh, people around me that really, really believed, and I saw things happen in their life. You know, but I thought I had to be a certain way and do a certain thing. You know, and uh, by the time I was in high school, and I, and I took longer than my siblings did to get to come to this place of, okay, this isn't for me. <laughs> you know, and my siblings, you know, they bowed out early on. And, uh, but I thought, let's give it one more try. Let's give it one more try. You know, and what I like is the previous paragraph that talks about that, you know, the good news was, you know, the good news was that they told me that I could talk of a personal, of a God personal to me. You know, and so when I came to that point where I was defeated, you know, and there was no other way, you know, I had tried it all, I tried every, I had tried all of what seemed to work for others, and I had tried every other person that seemed to work. You know, I came to the place of, okay, I'm just going to be a little bit willing to do a little bit of what somebody else in this room is doing, you know, because I also love that it talks about, you know, I thought maybe you need to do all this stuff, but I probably didn't need to do all the 12 steps, certainly, you know, certainly that wasn't all for me. And when I just gave up the fight and started to follow direction from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, because it instructs me from beginning to end, you know, from powerlessness to spiritual awakening, when I started to follow the instructions and take the actions, I got the results. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Okay, Monica T., you're up, followed by Melanie C. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. And diddle, diddle, diddle to all the most wonderful shares here this morning. So here we are in Bill's story. And Bill's that he's in a pickle. He's in a dilemma. You know, alcohol has got him by the throat. It's his master. He's he's overwhelmed. He's he's suicidal. He's in a bad place. He's finally realizing that... Um, you know he's totally powerless over over the alcohol, so he's he's reached step one. But this step two business here, and when Abby shows up and says, oh, "I got religion," is just making the old hair stand up on his neck. With ministers in the world's religions, I parted right there when they talked of a God personal to me, who was love, superhuman strength, and direction. I became irritated, annoyed, and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. And I can relate to this too, you know. Um, this, this, this. Um, other people trying to tell me what God was and how I should behave and what I should do and what I should believe and and like he's also, you know, pointing out people, the hypocrites out there. You know, we 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 say lots of things, but we don't. You know, we 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 talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. And he's he's just reviewing all this. And this is part of his process here, this, these couple of pages here, of step two, to see where he's been. You know, he's, he's having to come to a conclusion that he's powerless against this. He's having to come to a conclusion that he needs some type of a power greater than him. And I had to come to the conclusion, you know, that what I had been doing for 50 years and what I had believed was not working for me. How's that working for you, Monica? Well, it wasn't. So I had to become um, 
um, exposed to something different. And I didn't understand, I didn't fully believe when people in OA, recovered people were saying, we got a way out. It's called work the steps, Monica. And in that process, you will you will become um, aware, you will establish, you will grow some type of a relationship with a power greater than you that can solve your problem. And all I can say is, you know, if you're if the hairs are standing up on your neck and you're not sure about all this stuff, just do the work. Stop thinking, stop trying to think, figure it out, just do the work. And it's guaranteed on page 84. If you do this, will these promises will always materialize if you do the work. And that's what the recovered people said to me too. And that's what I hung on to. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Okay, Melanie, you're up. Melanie C. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon. And I'm going to be doing a bunch of reflecting just like Bill is. But quite frankly, I'm, I marvel at the idea in his state in front of Ebby that he was able to reflect with any kind of coherency and come up with such stuff like this and understanding that it was in reflection. But man, I can tell you that I truly thought that I had choices with no consequences. I had convinced myself of that and I wasn't able to handle any kind of authority over me to tell me what to do and how to think. I found just with inside my body I would rebel against and externally I tried very hard to um, to comply but in my heart I wasn't going to allow any kind of thing like that to happen and, and just like Bill I was looking over my experience with church and its affiliation with doctrine and things like that and our group that we had together and trying so hard to fit in there and I couldn't. I was even in that particular place where acceptance apparently is supposed to be universal. I was a square peg in a round hole. And so how was I going to get this deal? How was I going to be able to allow a power greater than myself to to change a hardened heart like mine that was backed with a slugger full of train loads of food and convince me, convince me that I could let go and surrender to that. It was a huge deal for me, a huge deal. I was looking for loopholes by checking out flaws and everything to to identify my way out. And I don't know why. I had no real reason to understand what that was going to do for me. Why was I looking to identify out? Why did I need to be so different? How come I thought that with doing so, I was going to be in a better place. Well, somewhere around age two, with the introduction of food, the blindness, the light started going out on me, and I had no reason for ever any kind of reasonable thinking in reality. From that point forward, from that point forward, and the evidence of my 62 years points back to that, that it wasn't until the introduction of the 12 steps in a way in which all the stars lined up, I had had enough. I was done. I was going to be able to follow directions precisely, hold my breath, and do what somebody else asked of me to do based on their experience, strength, and hope. And sometimes in that moment, I thought I was asked to do the ridiculous, the absurd, the controlled, the worst that I could ever imagine following. And I found that I showed up every day for class. I don't know why. And then that parlayed into an understanding, an idea of possibility that there was something out there that was going to be changing me, not rescuing me, 
That's what I was looking for. That's the diversions there, not rescuing me, but guiding me and transforming me. If there was some space enough and the 12 steps allowed that space, it started moving away, pulling away the layers that I had developed over those many, many decades of of a divergence from reality to be able to see a little bit more. And then the blinders were put on, put the head down, and worked them like my life depended on it because I'm telling you something here. It does. And I wish I could transfer what it feels like in my heart to say that to you and the relationship, the relationship because I know God now. I know what is going to change that hardened, hardened heart of mine. And then the desire and the drive to pursue that all comes from knowing God. And the 12 steps applied to that, every single one preciously, 1 through 12, on a daily basis, keeps that veil lifted. And then Melanie can live again today. I accept that. I accept that as the truth because in my life, I have a direct comparison of the hell that was before and what it's like now for me that I have built a paralleled life through the grace and mercy of God and the fellowship that pours into my life every single day, a paralleled life to what will be if I let up on these spiritual principles on a daily basis. Thanks, Katie, for letting me share. Happy New Year to y'all. I'll pass. Katie, are you still there, Star One? Charles H. Hey, Charles. Hey, Melanie. Hey, you know, I think that something happened with Katie. So, um, and the time has, are we at the end? No, we looks like we have two more minutes here. Would you like to share? Are you coming in to be able to share? I'd love to hear you. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So happy, um, happy, happy to everybody. Um, hope everybody's safe, warm, and all that good stuff. So Bill right here um, is, is pushing back. Um, he's pushing back, and I could identify pushing back as well. Um, and I love what it says in He Sold Himself Short. Um, complete deflation. Despite, despite the fact that, oh, you know, you sound hot, you sound great, and when I see you, things happen. Let me tell you, I'm going to keep it official. They, they will always materialize if I work for them. You know, I am not going to be I, – I used to be on this line like, you know what, yeah, you should do this, you should do that. I'm so good. I am not good. I am not good. I am not good. And I was one of those naysayers too. The biggest problem in, in 12-step program is, Man, I'm here and I'm I can't fix myself. That's the biggest problem. That's what these twelve steps are here for. There is always work to do. When I take a look at the promises, um, after trusting it, even seeing finite people and trusting it, then um I have a measuring stick. I think Dr. Bob calls it a yardstick. He called before the steps came and he called it a yardstick. That was an Oxford group term that he used. Um they will always materialize if I work for them. Now, if I if I go to page 86 and say, oh, man, I couldn't do nothing better, then you must be superhuman. Even Superman got to stay away from kryptonite in order to um, grasp and trust these 12 steps on a daily basis. So I want to wish everybody a happy, happy, 
and keep on chopping your wood, keep on carrying your water, and keep on working these steps like your hair is on fire. Out. Thank you, Charles. What a nice way to close the meeting today. And thank you to everyone who shared today and, and those especially that made this meeting possible today, um, our fo folks on the workforce this morning. Also, I'd like to encourage people to join us um, and continue to join us here as we move from our recorded meeting to our second hour, which is on recording, and it'll, it'll follow right after this meeting. So we will close this meeting this morning with a reading from the big book on page 164, and then follow that with a serenity prayer if you'd like to join me. Would Alice and Al please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you. Good morning. This is Alice and Al, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.